Father God, I'm so excited about you coming into our lives and taking us on an amazing journey with you and liberating us from all the darkness and the lies and everything that hinders us from being happy and peaceful and joyful. God, I pray that every person here would be imparted with your joy, your supernatural joy that overwhelms depression, takes depression captive and stomps on it because the joy of the Lord is our strength. God, there is no joy on this earth that can even compete with your joy because you take away the sorrow. You take away the pain. You take away the bondage and the guilt and the shame and you dance on top of it and say, I am more than enough to liberate from the darkest darkness out there. You speak to that darkness and you tell it to go and it has to go. We thank you, Lord, that you brought us together to celebrate you today. To celebrate you. God, we just ask that you would just come into this place right now. Holy Spirit, come into this place. This is your house and we are your children. And you have your way in us and in this place. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that the light has come. The light has come and the darkness will run away from it in Jesus name fill us with your light Lord every last bit of us fill us now in Jesus name there be no more room for even one lie of the enemy to stay in our memory in our mind in Jesus name I come against every assignment of the enemy and I say go now in Jesus name you don't belong here in Jesus name we are bought and paid for by the precious blood of Jesus. And we thank you for it, Lord. I speak to the enemy and I say, let my people go. Let them go in Jesus' name. You will let the people of God go. Let them go in Jesus' name. Those who are held in fear and doubt and shame and bondage. Let them go now in Jesus' name. God, I pray that they would run to you. They would see your light and your love and run to you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God. You know, as we go through life, we have our lives built for us sometimes. But then don't you like those DIY shows on HGTV when you get to get a whole new makeover and new countertops and new flooring that's what the Lord does for us the enemy tries to put his two cents in when he when we're building our house and the Lord says oh I don't like that let's try again and we get a renovation so in Matthew it says anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it will not collapse because it is built on bedrock. Recently, I, I saw a story. Does anybody watch that story called Strange Inheritance? It's about people who inherit strange things. Well, there was this story on there that just spoke to me so strongly. It was a story about this family 
you know, a guy getting along in years, he had done well in business, and he wanted to you know, bring treasures into his family, so he'd go to these auctions. And in one auction, he found a set of three pictures, and he brought them home to his wife, and his wife proudly displayed them up on their dining room wall. And for years, they were on that dining room wall. And they had three boys, and the boys would look at those pictures, and one, I think, was a meadow, another was something else. But one picture was, you know, rather small. I think it was like a, I don't know, not a 5 by 7 but a little bit bigger. And it had a picture of a guy fainting, and two people trying to revive him and giving him like smelling salts. And the boys, they grew up and wondering, why does mom have that picture up on her wall? It's so weird and bizarre. And later on, the parents passed away. And the sons held a garage sale. And they sold quite a bit of their parents' things in the sale. But when it came to those three pictures that were in the dining room, the sons didn't want to sell it at the garage sale, so they just packed it up in bubble wrap and tape and in a box and stuck it in their basement and just stored it there. And so the son who'd been storing it in his basement, he decided, you know, I really need to do something with the rest of this stuff that belonged to his parents. And they had, you know, fine china, they had some silver, they had, I don't know, some other relics that were of value. So they called up uh, an auctioneer house in New York City. And they, they had started advertising for all the items at the sale and advertised these three pictures that were in Mama's dining room. And they had a little bit of interest Early on, before the uh, sale started, a guy from Germany called and a guy from France called, and they just simply asked if they could be on the phone during the auction. And they said, sure. So they started their auction, and, and the first painting went for about 500 The second painting went for a little bit more. And the auction place was just full of people. They even had an art dealer sitting on the front row. And nothing had indicated that they would have any abnormal activity. But when that picture, the weird picture of the fainting guy, got up for auction, suddenly the guy on the German telephone line spoke up. The guy on the French telephone line spoke up. And... Suddenly, it was well past the hundreds, well past the thousands, well past the hundreds of thousands. And it became an uh, auction between France and Germany. And it got over a million dollars, and Germany seceded and gave it to the French guy on the phone. And the guy on the German telephone, the, the, the German telephone guy, he told the lady that was speaking to him, he says, that's a Rembrandt. Nobody knew it. Nobody knew it. Here's why. It was an early, lesser-known Rembrandt that he painted in his early years. Plus, it had been so... <sighs> you know, dirty over the years, nobody could see any markings on it that indicated it was anything other than just a picture hanging in the dining room. So when the guy from France got it, he had it professionally cleaned how they do, and sure enough, the mark of Rembrandt was on that painting, and he sold it 
for over twice what he paid to a guy that was a part of a collection of pieces that Rembrandt had done at the early part of his career that were all the five senses. Now, if you have a collection, <laughs> you might start out with one or two, but by the time you get to three or four, the price goes up because you've got to finish that collection in order to bring the best value to it. And this fella, he had three of the senses. He was missing two. And one of them was smell. So when he, they were trying to, got, that guy in the painting who had fainted, they were making him smell something that would revive him. So this was number four in this guy's collection. Four, making it extremely valuable. He has only one more to go. Nobody knows where that's at. Could be in your garage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you have, to, you have to understand, no one... Not even the art dealer sitting on the front row had any idea of the value in this seemingly insignificant painting that was in somebody's basement for years. And it wasn't until someone came along and recognized the true value, brought it back to life, restored it, and suddenly it's worth millions of dollars. But it always was even though it had been sold for a heck of a lot less at the sale, the auction, the guy got it at the auction, it was still a Rembrandt. It was still extremely priceless, even though it had been sold for less and treated less than what, you know, it would have been. It wasn't in a museum, it was in a dining room. So God wants us to know that even though we have been treated like less, our value doesn't change. You know, when we have been kicked around, sold for cheap, stuck in a garage, sitting in a box, we're still masterpiece. Yeah. And we still have value and strength. We're priceless. Because he's placed, the master's placed a price on us. Years ago, my son Cody, who is now 25 and thankfully married to a wonderful girl, lives in Dallas. Oh, I thought he just, he was, he was hard work. <laughs> He'd wear me out. Steve would come home and all, all I could do was just run through the whole day of all that Cody would do from start to finish the minute he'd wake up. One day, one day, this is one day, I'll tell you, the life of Cody in one day as a two-year-old. One day, I, he, I had redone his bedroom, got him a beautiful antique bed, and painted the walls in, you know, cowboy blue. You know, his name's Cody. <laughs> so I got it all pretty for him, and I thought, now I'm going to put my big boy in his big boy bed, put him down for a nap. And I went downstairs. And I, I always, you know, you have to check on them, especially if they're in a big boy bed because they can escape. So I went upstairs, and he had gotten into the econo-sized baby powder. Yeah, it was all over his bedroom. <laughs> Looked like Christmas, like snow. So I sent him downstairs with his older sister, and they went down, and she was going to get him a snack. And I proceeded to clean up all the baby powder. When I went downstairs, I saw that they were pretty busy. 
and the two of them were doing a Rembrandt of them of their own on my kitchen refrigerator with red fingernail polish. So I I'm like ah screaming because you know fingernail polish you got to get quick. So I'm running around getting the fingernail polish off that, and I stuck Cody back in his bed. And then when I went back upstairs to check on him, <laughs> I saw that he had found. I don't know how he found it, a, a can of white spray paint. <laughs> so he proceeded to decorate his beautiful mahogany dresser that his grandma gave him, <laughs> his brand new antique bed, and all of his toys and the woodwork and everything. So I go into flip out mode and I start cleaning like crazy this mahogany dresser and I'm trying to just save it because you know paint set, sets in, you gotta get it fast. And believe it or not, I did get that all clean. But I'm telling you, I, can't, I think there was more stuff than you did, but by the end of the day, I was literally just bent over like this on the floor, just crying. <laughs> because I'm like, I didn't want to touch him. I was afraid to spank him or discipline him because I was so upset. <laughs> so I'm crying on the floor. And he's so charming and cute. His little blonde head pops over and he's like, I'm sorry, Mama. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mama. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's you know and one day another day he decided he wondered the size of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich looked like it would fit into a VCR <laughs> yeah <laughs> another day he decided he he had found daddy's screwdriver he wanted to see if he could take apart the VCR rewinder back in the VCR rewinder day so he had it pretty well taken apart I think I just threw it away <laughs> but anyway I just got to the point where I thought, Lord Jesus, what did you give me this child for? Cassie was so peaceful, and she still is. She doesn't cause trouble at all. She's an angel. And Cody's just constantly going. His mind is constantly going, going, going. And I didn't realize what I had. Because I was so busy cleaning up paint and nail polish, I didn't realize what he was. He was brilliant. He was brilliant. His, his mind just went constantly thinking and thinking of all these things to do and figure out. And now he, he does the same thing that he did back then, only he gets paid money for it now. <laughs> like People come in and they have problems with their computer and he's just like, boom, 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 here's what you do. He knows it. He had valuable treasure in him. But I had to get past all the crazy paint to figure out what I had there and how God could use it. So sometimes we have in life situations where we don't realize what we have on the inside of us. There was a man named Samson who was one of the judges of Israel. And the Lord spoke to him and he said, you'll have supernatural strength as long as you don't cut your hair. And for years he kept this long hair and he was known all over for having such strength that the Philistines, the enemies of Israel, decided in order to go after Israel they have to first take out Samson because he could take on a whole army by himself. So what they did, they tried every way they could to figure out how to get at him what they did was they found his weakness was in the people around him. 
his friends and his the people that he trusted. And so they talked to his, uh, I guess it was a girlfriend, talked her into finding his strength. What, what was his secret? Because nobody knew he was supposed to keep it a secret. And she, he would tell her things like, well, if you bind me with these cords, then I won't have any strength. So she tried that. It didn't work. Okay, now, right there, you have to wonder, Samson, if she's trying to reduce your strength and limit you, does she really like you? You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> and she, he, he would tell her all these different things that his strength was relying on except for the one thing that was truly it and one day she just threw a fit and said you're lying to me you're not telling me your secrets and so he finally gave in and he told her it's my hair if you cut my hair I won't have any strength so (laughs) she had proven her character before she cut his hair off and then the Philistines came in and he had no strength to fight them And a lot of times people, we do that to ourselves. We trust our hearts to people that don't care. And then they they come at us and we think they'll trust us, they'll love us someday. They'll value us someday. And then they end up cutting our hair and we have no strength. But the Lord is merciful and he was merciful to Samson. And at the end of his life, he gave him a great revenge against his enemies. And they gouged out his eyes and held him in chains for a long time. But then one day they wanted to show off their trophy of the defeated Samson. So they tied him to the pillars of the temple. And God gave him his strength back. And he tore down the temple and killed them all. Because the value of Samson wasn't really in his hair, was it? It was in God. And our value isn't in anything. It isn't in our parents. It isn't in our school that we go to. It isn't in our job that we work. It's in God. When God says, you're worth this to me, you are worth that. Period. When I was growing up, my mom passed away when I was 16. She was in a car accident with a semi-truck. And her and my brother were killed. And my dad and my brother were all I had left. And they, for various reasons, ended up moving away. So at 16, I was by myself. Well, I won't say that. I was by myself for a while until my dad got remarried. I moved on to college. But when I I would come back and my stepmom and there are many good stepmoms in the world and I'm not I'm not I'm not a stepmom hater cuz there are many good ones but my stepmom she had four kids of her own and she really didn't want these two teenagers around and so she would just I guess she just tried to come between us all and it wasn't much of a battle for her cuz my dad was he didn't really think that much of us <laughs> but one day I had tried so hard to get her to like me. And I had taken care of her kids. I had cleaned her house. I had washed all her dishes. I had made supper for her kids. And some little thing was said. I won't bore you with the details. But after that, to please her, my dad gave me the worst beating of my life. (laughs) And I thought he'd break me. I really did, or at least an arm or a leg or something. It was a bad beating. And for two years, I felt aimless. 
and unloved and uncared for. And I felt the enemy was trying desperately to reduce my value of my own self. To make me think, this is all you're worth. You're just worth kicking around. That's all you're worth. And then one day, I met Steve Boyson. This handsome guy right here. And from the very minute I met him, his aim was to tell me how smart I was. How beautiful I was. And for the last 30 years, he has built me up until I can stand up here without fear and talk to y'all. He would tell me, Victoria, the stuff that you say about God is amazing. It's astounding. More people than me have to hear this. And I'd tease him. I said, you're just tired of hearing me preach at you all the time, aren't you? <laughs> Give me somebody else to preach to. But no, he believed in me. And you know, inevitably, we can be the hero or the villain in somebody else's life story. We can be what they have to survive or the thing that helps them survive. And I'm telling you right now, there's my hero. That was a silent clap. Oh, thank you. <laughs> he told me I was a good cook when everybody told me I was bad. And now I cook good. <laughs> this last week, the Lord really blessed me. When, when Steve, Steve and I are getting ready to celebrate our 30th anniversary, and I decided after 30 years of being married, we were going to have a, a good bed, a really, you know, nice Texas bed, you know? And I went to the place, I found one for a reasonable price of $1,000, and I thought, yes, we should do this for ourselves for our 30th anniversary. So I went ahead and I bought it, I paid for it, and had it scheduled for delivery, and then all of a sudden, I just didn't have peace. I just said, I can't do it, I don't want to spend $1,000, it's just a bed. And so I called him and I canceled it, and I got our money back. And I thought, you know what, I don't really need this. You know, not too many people, it's not like I have traffic going in and out of my bedroom all day. <laughs> they don't need to be impressed with my bed. And then this last week, we were out looking for uh, some furniture for Amy. She's getting set up in her new place. And we were going to all these places, you know, where they have furniture, used furniture and things like that. And I was kind of getting lazy, so I stayed in the car. And I said, hey, Kaylee, do you suppose you could just run into this shop? Just let me know if they have any dressers, you know, told her what to look for. She runs in, runs out, and she pops in the car and she says, well, I didn't see any dressers. So I started to drive off, and I was driving away, and she goes, but I did see a really cool bed. <laughs> so I stopped the car, <laughs> and I put it in back into park, and I said, let's go check it out. So we went back into the store, all the way back to the store, in pieces, was this beautiful, mahogany, huge, wooden sleigh bed. Now, sleigh beds are like the ultimate to me. That's been my dream for many years. And the, dire the, the bed that I was going to spend money on wasn't actually even a sleigh bed. This was a sleigh bed. So I turned to the guy and I said, what size is this? <laughs> trying, to, trying to keep my excitement stifled. I said, what size is this? I think it's a queen. And I'm like, oh. Oh, yes, that's what I need. And I said, how much are you asking for this bed? Oh, 160. Which I thought, yikes, that's, that's good, that's good, right there. I was almost going to say sold, and he says, but it's half off today, so I can give it to you for 80. And then I, I waited, and like, 
<laughs> and he says, I could go as low as 75. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> pretty soon he, I'm, he's going to be paying me to take this bed from him. <laughs> anyway, I walked away with that bed. Kaylee and I, we scrambled to make room in the van. We ended up coming home with the big top on top of the van, strapped down. And I have this beautiful, Steve, put it all together for me. I have this beautiful sleigh bed from Stanley Furniture. Awesome. Worth over $3,000 brand new. And it looks brand new. And it's in my bedroom for 75 bucks. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so I'm like, I keep thanking Kaylee. Thank you, Kaylee. Thank you. Because Kaylee knew her mama's heart. She recognized what that was. And she says, this is something my mom is going to care about. And that's the way we can be too. We can go places and we can say, this is something good. This is something my Heavenly Father is going to like. I've got to tell Him about this. He's going to want to know about this because He's going to want to buy it. And I have met so many people and the Lord, it's like neon lights all around them. Treasure, treasure, treasure. Right before Thanksgiving last year, I met Amy. Amy, raise your hand. She walked in this church, and it was just like that. It was a God moment. I said, treasure. Sometimes you just have to pinch yourself. You have to, have to say, I just saw a miracle. I saw an act of God. You know, sometimes you don't recognize treasure because treasure's been kicked around so much. There was a woman in the Bible named Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute in the city of Jericho. Now, God had sent the Israelites into Jericho and says, I want you to take this city from me. And when they, they spied out the land, they said, yes, we can take this city. God will help us take this city. But one thing they saw was neon lights over a woman named Rahab who was a prostitute and took care of her entire family. And God said, hey, spies, I want you to look at this woman right here because here's some treasure. She not only saved them from being caught in the city, but she became a treasure to them. And they saved that woman and her entire family. And do you know, she is the ten times great grandma of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I want you to think about that. Up until the moment that God said, here's treasure, she was kicked around. There wasn't much expectation for her future. And nowhere in her neon light did it say she's going to be the ten times great grandma of Jesus Christ. But God knew that. God knew, here's a woman who will do anything to protect her family and take care of her family and she did and so he took her out of that life he took her out of Jericho he spared her not a hair on her head was touched and she is in the lineage of Jesus Christ so Matthew 13 44 through 46 it says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered in a field in his excitement he hid it again, sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy that field so he could have the treasure in the field. 
in 45 it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of exceptional value and quality, and he sold everything he owned to buy that pearl. Do you know that's what Jesus does for each one of us? He gave everything. He gave himself to be tortured and beaten because he saw something of value in us. He said, I have to do whatever it takes to get this pearl. And you know that's what he is to us. He is that treasure to us because we recognize this is somebody that loves me and accepts me as I am. You know, my brother for years, he grew up in the church with the same mama I had, but he decided he was going to go do it the hard way. And those are his words, not mine. He was going to do it the hard way. And after his second divorce, and he'd, he, he was struggling with alcoholism and all kinds of stuff that he'd gotten into, and we were on the phone talking, and he said, I, I want to come back to God. I just, I want to get my life together more than it is. And I said, Danny, do you get cleaned up to take a bath? Do you go get yourself washed up before you get in the bathtub? That's basically what he was doing. He was trying to clean himself up and save himself when all the while he just needed Jesus to come in and, and, and to give him everything he had. And so he said, well, do you think God would take me if, you, if he knew I was drinking scotch while we were on the phone? <laughs> and I said, I think he already knows that. <laughs> and I think he would take you no matter what you're drinking on the phone. <laughs> But you see, when we discover Him, we will be willing to sacrifice anything. And He's willing to sacrifice anything for us. Because when you find Him, it's like you realize suddenly everything you've been looking for in your life, it's all in Him. And you're suddenly like consumed with him and people start calling you Jesus freaks and all your friends think you're a Jesus freak and I said I'm a Jesus freak buy me the t-shirt I'll own it because he's worth it I don't care what you say about me I'm a Jesus freak you're too religious Victoria okay all right he's just too amazing I'm just too in love with him I just can't stand it anymore I'm consumed by Jesus because he loves me unconditionally accepts everything about me he's known everything from beginning to end he knows everything and he still loved me and he still fought for me he fought for me he fought for me and laid his life down for me. Jesus gave me everything. He thought I was worth something when everybody tried to make me feel worthless. People would always say, you're too sensitive. He says, I made you that one on purpose. They say, you talk too much. He says, don't worry. Someday you'll do it and bless a lot of people. <laughs> so we have to allow him to come in see all of this and say it's all yours if you want it and just say I'm all yours Jesus and let him restore us because we're his DIY project and I'm crazy about DIY projects I love it I just want to do everything he wants me to do and when he tells me this crazy notion 
that me allowing him to bless me and bless my life is my act of worship to him, that's what pleases him, then take over, Jesus. Take over, I'm yours. Because I'm crazy about him. Because nobody's ever loved me like that. Nobody's ever accepted me like that. Nobody's ever talked over me like he talks to me. When I feel unlovely, he says, you're lovely. When I feel abandoned by every member of my family, he says, you're mine. When I feel in the deepest, darkest pit of depression, he says, I gotcha. Picks me up and says, remember you're beautiful. He puts a big stamp of made by Jesus on my head. I don't believe in accidents, and I don't believe in fate. I believe that God has a divine plan. And He tries to get our attention at every level, every corner of our lives. And He'll say, I'm here, I'm waiting, I'm your answer, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And eventually we just got to be quiet and say, okay. We got to say, Jesus, I love you enough to accept everything you've done for me. You are enough for anything I have done in the past. Even though the devil wants shame to stick to you like glue because he doesn't want you to come to Jesus. Shame's a killer. Shame's a liar. And it doesn't belong on anybody that Jesus died for and bought and paid for. Jesus sets us free from shame. Do you know, so often the church says, gives everybody a view of God like, God is so holy that He can't be around our sin. I've heard that so many times. God is so holy that you have to get rid of your sin so that God can be around you. Don't you know, every time we've sinned, He's been right there with us. Because the reason God hates sin so much isn't because He's holier than thou. It's because He loves us so much. And He knows what sin does to us. And He wants us to accept His love. And every time we sin, it takes us farther away because we think God can't love me because I'm drinking scotch while I'm on the phone with my sister. Or I'm, or I'm a prostitute. Cassie's song that she likes to sing is reckless love. God will climb any mountain, fight any demon, beat up anybody, tear down any wall just to get to you to tell you He loves you. And wipe away the past and set you on a new path with Him. Alright, I want everybody to stand up. I want you to just raise your hand to the Lord like you're going to get a gift from Him. I want you to close your eyes and focus on Him. And repeat after me. Say, Father God, Father God I'm, all yours. I'm all yours. I want you to take everything I am and make it beautiful. I want you to use everything for your glory. I want to be an act of worship to you. I want you to smile on me. And I want to receive your love.
I just plead the blood of Jesus over every person that's in this room right now. I thank you, Lord, that you see treasure when the world has kicked them down. You see treasure. I pray in Jesus' name from this moment on that they would be bought and restored of value and cleaned up and everybody would see the treasure that is in them. They would be valued for the very things they were kicked around for. They would be loved and honored and cherished and favored of God. And they would smile, smile at God with a whole heart and see and recognize the treasure that they are in Him. And he, the treasure He is to us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, right now I ask you to go into our hearts and minds. And to remove all the lies the enemy's tried to tell us. To keep us in bondage. To make us feel like we're nothing and we'll never be anything. And right now, Lord, rip those lies out of us. And Holy Spirit, you go in and restore our mind, our body, our soul, and our spirit. And make us the mighty vessels of God that you intended us to be. That everywhere we go, we'll tell people about Jesus. And we'll become your treasure hunters. In Jesus' mighty name, I thank you for a Holy Spirit of restoration to fall on us and stay on us. For the rest of our lives, send the heavenly host with us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I want you to shout, thank you, Jesus!